Chapter Twenty of Ten Years Later. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Eden Rayhedrick. Ten Years Later by Alexandre Dumas. Chapter Twenty Sword Thrusts in the Water. Concluded. D'Artagnan's apartment was not occupied, for the Comte de la Fere, seated in the recess of a window, awaited him. "'Well,' said he to D'Artagnan, as he saw him enter. "'Well,' said the latter, "'Monsieur de Wardes has done me the honour to pay me a visit, in company with some of his own friends, as well as of ours.' In fact, behind the musketeer appeared de Wardes and Manicamp, followed by de Guiche and Buckingham, who looked surprised, not knowing what was expected of them. Raoul was accompanied by two or three gentlemen, and, as he entered, glanced round the room, and, perceiving the Count, he went and placed himself by his side. D'Artagnan received his visitors with all the courtesy he was capable of. He preserved his unmoved and unconcerned look. All the persons present were men of distinction, occupying posts of honor and credit at the court. After he had apologized to each of them for any inconvenience he might have put them to, he turned toward de Wardes, who, in spite of his customary self-command, could not prevent his face betraying some surprise, mingled with not a little uneasiness. "'Now, monsieur,' said D'Artagnan, "'since we are no longer within the precincts of the king's palace, and since we can speak out without failing in respect to propriety, I will inform you why I have taken the liberty to request you to visit me here, and why I have invited these gentlemen to be present at the same time. My friend the Comte de la Fere has acquainted me with the injurious reports you are spreading about myself. You have stated that you regard me as your mortal enemy, because I was, so you affirm, that of your father. "'Perfectly true, monsieur, I have said so,' replied de Wardes, whose pallid face became slightly tinged with colour. "'You accuse me, therefore, of a crime, or a fault, or of some mean and cowardly act. Have the goodness to state your charge against me in precise terms.' "'In the presence of witnesses?' "'Most certainly in the presence of witnesses, and you see I have selected them as being experienced in affairs of honour. "'You do not appreciate my delicacy, monsieur. "'I have accused you, it is true, "'but I have kept the nature of the accusation a perfect secret. "'I entered into no details, "'but have rested satisfied by expressing my hatred "'in the presence of those "'on whom a duty was almost imposed to acquaint you with it. "'You have not taken the discreetness I have shown into consideration, "'although you were interested in remaining silent. "'I can hardly recognize your habitual prudence in that, monsieur d'Artagnan.' "'D'Artagnan?' who was quietly biting the corner of his moustache, said, "'I have already had the honour to beg you to state the particulars of the grievances you say you have against me.' "'Aloud?' "'Certainly aloud.' "'In that case, I will speak.' "'Speak, monsieur,' said D'Artagnan, bowing. "'We are all listening to you.' "'Well, monsieur, it is not a question of a personal injury towards myself, but one towards my father.' "'That you have already stated.' "'Yes, but there are certain subjects which are only approached with hesitation.' "'If that hesitation, in your case, really does exist, I entreat you to overcome it.' "'Even if it refer to a disgraceful action?' "'Yes, in every and any case.' Those who were present at this scene had, at first, looked at each other with a good deal of uneasiness. They were reassured, however, when they saw that D'Artagnan manifested no emotion whatever. De Wardes still maintained the same unbroken silence. "'Speak, monsieur,' said the musketeer. "'You see you are keeping us waiting.' 
Listen, then. My father loved a lady of noble birth, and this lady loved my father. D'Artagnan and Athos exchanged looks. De Wardes continued. Monsieur d'Artagnan found some letters which indicated a rendezvous, substituted himself under disguise for the person who was expected, and took advantage of the darkness. That is perfectly true, said d'Artagnan. A slight murmur was heard from those present. Yes, I was guilty of that dishonorable action. You should have added, monsieur, since you are so impartial, that, at the period when the circumstance you have just related happened, I was not one and twenty years of age. A renewed murmur was heard, but this time of astonishment, and almost of doubt. It was a most shameful deception, I admit, said d'Artagnan, and I have not waited for Monsieur de Wardes's reproaches to reproach myself for it, and very bitterly, too. Age has, however, made me more reasonable, and above all, more upright, and this injury has been atoned for by a long and lasting regret. But I appeal to you, gentlemen, this affair took place in 1626, at a period, happily for yourselves, known to you by tradition only, at a period when love was not over-scrupulous, when consciences did not distill, as in the present day, poison and bitterness. We were young soldiers, always fighting or being attacked, our swords always in our hands, or at least ready to be drawn from their sheaths. Death then always stared us in the face, war hardened us, and the cardinal pressed us sorely. I have repented of it, and more than that, I still repent it, Monsieur de Wardes. I can well understand that, monsieur, for the action itself needed repentance, but you were not the less the cause of that lady's disgrace. She, of whom you have been speaking, covered with shame, borne down by the affront you brought upon her, fled, quitted France, and no one ever knew what became of her. Stay, said the Comte de la Fere, stretching his hand toward de Wardes with a peculiar smile upon his face. You are mistaken. She was seen, and there are persons even now present who, having often heard her spoken of, will easily recognize her by the description I am about to give. She was about five-and-twenty years of age, slender in form, of a pale complexion, and a fair-haired. She was married in England. "'Married!' exclaimed de Wardes. "'So you were not aware she was married? You see, we are far better informed than yourself. Do you happen to know she was usually styled my lady, without the addition of any name to that description?' "'Yes, I know that.' "'Good heavens!' murmured Buckingham. "'Very well, monsieur. "'That woman, who came from England, "'returned to England after having thrice attempted Monsieur d'Artagnan's life. "'That was but just, you will say, "'since Monsieur d'Artagnan had insulted her. "'But that which was not just was that, "'when in England this woman, by her seductions, "'completely enslaved a young man "'in the service of Lord de Winter, by name Felton. "'You change colour, my lord,' said Athos, "'turning to the Duke of Buckingham.' and your eyes kindle with anger and sorrow. Let your grace finish the recital, then, and tell Monsieur de Wardes who this woman was who placed the knife in the hand of your father's murderer. A cry escaped from the lips of all present. The young duke passed his handkerchief across his forehead, which was covered with perspiration. A dead silence ensued among the spectators. "'You see, Monsieur de Wardes,' said D'Artagnan, whom this recital had impressed more and more, as his own recollections revived as Athos spoke. You see that my crime did not cause the destruction of any one's soul, and that the soul in question may fairly be considered to have been altogether lost before my regret. It is, however, an action of conscience on my part. Now this matter is settled, therefore, it remains for me to ask, with the greatest humility, your forgiveness for this shameless action, as most certainly I should have asked it of your father, if you were still alive, and if I had met him after my return to France, subsequent to the death of King Charles I. This is too much, Monsieur d'Artagnan exclaimed many voices with animation. "'No, gentlemen,' said the captain, 
and now monsieur de wardes i hope all is finished between us and that you will have no further occasion to speak ill of me again do you consider it completely settled de wardes bowed and muttered to himself inarticulately i trust also said d'artagnan approaching the young man closely that you will no longer speak ill of any one as it seems you have the unfortunate habit of doing for a man so puritanically conscientious as you are who can reproach an old soldier for a youthful freak five-and-thirty years after it happened will allow me to ask whether you who advocate such excessive purity of conscience will undertake on your side to do nothing contrary either to conscience or to the principle of honour and now listen attentively to what i am going to say monsieur de wardes in conclusion take care that no tale with which your name may be associated reaches my ear monsieur said de wardes it is useless threatening to no purpose i have not yet finished monsieur de wardes and you must listen to me further still the circle of listeners full of eager curiosity drew closer you spoke just now of the honour of a woman and of the honour of your father we were glad to hear you speak in that manner for it is pleasing to think that such a sentiment of delicacy and rectitude which did not exist it seems in our minds lives in our children and it is delightful too to see a young man at an age when men from habit become the destroyers of the honour of women respect and defend it de wardes bit his lip and clenched his hands evidently much disturbed to learn how this discourse the commencement of which was announced in so threatening a manner would terminate how did it happen then that you allowed yourself to say to monsieur de bragelonne that he did not know who his mother was raoul's eyes flashed as darting forward he exclaimed chevalier this is a personal affair of my own at which exclamation a smile full of malice passed across de wardes's face d'artagnan put raoul aside saying do not interrupt me young man and looking at de wardes in an authoritative manner he continued i am now dealing with a matter which cannot be settled by means of the sword i discuss it before men of honour all of whom have more than once had their swords in their hands in affairs of honour i selected them expressly these gentlemen well know that every secret for which men fight ceases to be a secret i again put my question to monsieur de wardes what was the subject of conversation when you offended this young man in offending his father and mother at the same time it seems to me returned de wardes that the liberty of speech is allowed when it is supported by every means which a man of courage has at his disposal tell me what the means are by which a man of courage can sustain a slanderous expression the sword you fail not only in logic in your argument but in religion and honour you expose the lives of many others without referring to your own which seems to be full of hazard besides fashions pass away monsieur and the fashion of dueling has passed away without referring in any way to the edicts of his majesty which forbid it therefore in order to be consistent with your own chivalrous notions you will at once apologize to monsieur de bragelonne you will tell him how much you regret having spoken so lightly and that the nobility and purity of his race are inscribed not in his heart alone but still more in every action of his life you will say this monsieur de wardes as i an old officer did and said just now to your boy's moustache and if i refuse inquired de wardes in that case the result will be that which you think you will prevent said de wardes laughing the result will be that your conciliatory address will end in a violation of the king's prohibition not so said the captain you are quite mistaken what will the result be then the result will be that i shall go to the king with whom i am on tolerably good terms to whom i have been happy enough to render certain services dating from a period when you were not born and who at my request has just sent me an order in blank for monsieur de besmure de montlezon governor of the bastille 
and I shall say to the king, Sire, a man has in a most cowardly way insulted Monsieur de Bragelonne by insulting his mother. I have written this man's name upon the lettre de cachet which your majesty has been kind enough to give me, so that Monsieur de Wardes is in the Bastille for three years. And D'Artagnan, drawing the order signed by the king from his pocket, held it toward de Wardes. Remarking that the young man was not quite convinced, and received the warning as an idle threat, he shrugged his shoulders and walked leisurely toward the table, upon which lay a writing-case and a pen, the length of which would have terrified the topographical Porthos. De Wardes then saw that nothing could well be more seriously intended than the threat in question, for the Bastille, even at that period, was already held in dread. He advanced a step toward Raoul, and, in an almost unintelligible voice, said, "'I offer my apologies in the terms which Monsieur d'Artagnan just now dictated, and which I am forced to make to you.' "'One moment, monsieur,' said the musketeer, with greatest tranquillity. "'You mistake the terms of the apology. "'I did not say, and I am forced to make. "'I said, and which my conscience induces me to make. "'This latter expression, believe me, is better than the former, "'and it will be far preferable, "'since it will be the most truthful expression of your sentiments.' "'I subscribe to it,' said de Wardes. "'But submit, gentlemen, that a thrust of the sword through the body, "'as was the custom formerly, was far better than tyranny like this.' "'No, monsieur,' replied Buckingham, "'for the sword-thrust, when received, "'was no indication that a particular person was right or wrong. "'It only showed that he was more or less skilful in the use of weapons.' "'Monsieur!' exclaimed Duardes. "'There, now,' interrupted D'Artagnan, "'you are going to say something very rude, "'and I am rendering a service by stopping you in time.' "'Is that all, monsieur?' required Duardes. "'Absolutely everything,' replied D'Artagnan, "'and these gentlemen, as well as myself, are quite satisfied with you. "'Believe me, monsieur, that your reconciliations are not successful.' "'In what way?' "'Because, as we are now about to separate, "'I would wager that Monsieur de Bragelonne and myself are greater enemies than ever.' "'You are deceived, monsieur, as far as I am concerned,' returned Raoul, "'for I do not retain the slightest animosity in my heart against you.' "'This last blow overwhelmed Duardes. "'He cast his eyes around him like a man bewildered. "'D'Artagnan saluted most courteously the gentleman who had been present at the explanation, and every one, on leaving the room, shook hands with him, but not one hand was held out toward de Wardes. "'Oh!' exclaimed the young man, "'can I not find someone on whom to wreak my vengeance?' "'You can, monsieur, for I am here,' whispered a voice full of menace in his ear. De Wardes turned round and saw the Duke of Buckingham, who, having probably remained behind with that intention, had just approached him. "'You, monsieur?' exclaimed de Wardes. "'Yes, I. I am no subject of the King of France.' I am not going to remain on the territory, since I am about setting off for England. I have accumulated in my heart such a mass of despair and rage that I, too, like yourself, need to revenge myself upon someone. I approve Monsieur d'Artagnan's principles profoundly, but I am not bound to apply them to you. I am an Englishman, and in my turn I propose to you what you propose to others to no purpose. Since you, therefore, are so terribly incensed, take me as a remedy. In thirty-four hours' time I shall be at Calais. Come with me. The journey will appear shorter if together than if alone. We will fight, when we get there, upon the sands which are covered by the rising tide, and which form part of the French territory during six hours of the day, but belong to the territory of heaven during the other six. "'I accept willingly,' said de Wardes. "'I assure you,' said the Duke, "'that if you kill me, you will be rendering me an infinite service.' "'I will do my utmost to make myself agreeable to you, Duke,' said de Wardes. "'It is agreed, then, that I am to carry you off with me?' I shall be at your commands. I need some real danger and some mortal risk to run to tranquilize me. In that case, I think you have met with what you are looking for. 
farewell monsieur de wardes to-morrow morning my valet will tell you the exact hour of our departure we can travel together like two excellent friends i generally travel as fast as i can adieu buckingham saluted de wardes and returned toward the king's apartments de wardes irritated beyond measure left the palais royal and hurried through the streets homeward to the house where he lodged End of chapter 20